This, 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 this. The is the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Tony Dorsett has scored his first touchdown as a pro. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. Tony Hill, touchdown, Tony Hill. Brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Mahindra. Find your nearest Mahindra dealer at texasmahindradealers.com. And by SWBC Mortgage. You support your team. We support your family your business we support you now your hosts mickey spagnola and bill jones welcome again to another dallas cowboys legend show from here in the cowboys club at the star now half of us is here i'm mickey spagnola (laughs) bill jones is caught in heavy traffic trying to get here on time and i've always wanted to say this like joe buck says when he starts the show and bill jones will join us in a moment (laughs) but joining me right now danny surek good to have you with us oh there's bill jones well, good to see you, Bill. Well, no, we can we can trade off. I'll let you take over. I'm just keeping your seat warm, Bill. Come on in, Bill. <laughs> and when I said he'd join us in a moment, he was going to join us in a moment. You know, Bill, there's a wireless mic you can handle <laughs> for the first segment if you want. Uh, Bill said he wasn't going to make it, so Danny uh, decided that she could jump in here and help out. How are you tonight? doing well it's a nice little change normally i'm the one out there with the wireless mic and so bill and i are gonna switch jobs tonight i guess for a little (laughs) bill did you find an alternative route that you could make it i found six alternative routes (laughs) and i bet everyone got you into more trouble you know what the traffic wasn't bad in my subdivision (laughs) once i got out of my subdivision it was christmas holiday traffic in the metroplex well i'm glad you're here and uh, also, I'm glad our very special guest is here on this Wednesday night. And, you know, every uh, Wednesday night we say we have a special guest. Uh, but this night is no exception because tonight it is... From TCU, number 24, Larry No frogs, baby. No how about that? How about that? That's pretty sweet. Let's give him a big welcome. The Super Bowl 30 MVP, Larry Brown, is with sweet, us. Sweet, sweet. How about that? Douglas Barraclow drug that up. <laughs> he had to dig deep somewhere to go find that. And that was your introduction, if I remember correctly, for the championship game in 95 yes. against Green Bay at yes. Texas Stadium, That's right? That's right. Mick doesn't forget anything. So were you surprised when you guys got introduced? by Michael Buffer, did you know it was coming? No, we did not know anything because, you know, sometimes they would flip it on you. So uh, a lot of guys were superstitious as far as the coaches. So if we won a game, they didn't want to change a pattern. Uh-huh. So if somebody's got the team, if, let's say, for example, we won a game last week and offense got introduced, they would do the same thing. So they offense they, got introduced. They, they would get introduced. So they didn't want to break any pattern. So we never knew. Huh, that's great. So w- when you guys heard it, so they introduced the defense yes. that game. Uh, and did it for everybody, right? Everybody. Everybody? Mm-hmm. You, so the first guy that walked out, were you guys kind of looking at each other like, what the? We were, you know, it was cool. You know, you, when you're, you're in a game, you're kind of in game mode, but you, it was hard to transition into what, what was actually happening because you're kind of ready to play the game. But it was pretty cool. And Michael Buffer, obviously everybody knows what he is, the boxing, and that was pretty sweet. Yeah, it certainly was. And if, for those of you that might need a refresher, uh, Larry Brown, uh, TCU, Cowboys drafted him 
1991. And for those of you that have to go way back, there were 12 rounds in the draft by then. And Larry made it right under the wire. Do, do you know that there's no more, there's no 12 rounds. There's no more Texas Stadium. So everything you're announcing, half these people don't even remember anymore. You retired all that <laughs> stuff. He was a 12th round yeah. pick uh, of the Cowboys and, and played uh, six years, uh, five years with the Cowboys. And actually six because you came, came back, back came for back. that end of that 98 yes. Uh, season mm -hmm. uh, that rookie year he was the voted to the NFL all rookie team uh, and uh, a really uh, solidified starting job in, in training camp so really good to have you uh, you've been kind of busy I understand the boys in the TV department have got you uh, working you know I'm back with Nate and uh, Brian Bartis and Lizzie they're doing a great job and pregame the pregame uh, pro, show post, some some pregame a lot of posts okay. but yeah having fun with it you know I, I'm a fan of the game so when you get a chance to just watch and be a fan and I enjoy that part of it I love football and it's been a part of my life my entire life, so I enjoy just being a fan of the game. So you run into, you work on that show, right? I do. Danny? Yeah, I do. It's a lot of fun. But are you able to watch truly just as a fan? I am. I am. I, I'm really a fan of the sport. I love it. I love uh, watching the new guys, uh, the new coaches. So you learn a lot. You know, it's, I, I've been playing, I've been a part of football since I was four years old. I am 49. So, you know, 45 years of either playing or working in it or, or being a part of it. So I, I just love the game. And for those of you watching on DallasCowboys.com, you might be able to tell those whiskers are getting just a little yeah. bit white. Huh? Well, I'll tell you what my kids tell me. Hey, Dad, they were looking at pictures the other day. Hey, you used to have muscles. You know, <laughs> so your kids don't hold back on you. But, but it, it, it's fun. And you do age a little bit, and it is what it is. So other than uh, the uh, Sunday stuff with Cowboys TV department, you got anything else going? Uh, just my son. You know, my son plays football. I'm getting ready to go to college. He's going to A&M. I saw it. He'll be there I in January. He's leaving early, he's leaving, right? He's leaving early. Uh, he's going to play in the Hall, NFL Hall of Fame World Bowl in Mexico City uh, next week. So we're going down there for that. And then we're going to drop him off at A&M. And then li I can start living my life and get a little money back in my pocket. And I don't have to – I'm one for three. Uh, my oldest daughter went to Baylor. I had to pay for her. So I worked for no, Baylor. No scholarship. I worked for Baylor for five years, paying for that. My <laughs> other daughter's at Texas Tech. I'm still working for Texas Tech now. and uh, But I don't have to pay for him, and I I'm happy about that. So you don't have to have two at once going, I'm one right? for three. Very one good. One for three. How, you know what? I, I, you didn't go through a recruiting process when you came out of high school in L.A., right? You yes. ended up in a, a – it was a – Community college, yeah, junior, junior college, college for a year. Uh -huh. L.A. South, uh -huh. Southwest. LA Southwest. Mm -hmm. uh, so what was it like to see your son go through uh, a recruiting process that uh, he committed in uh, February to A&M, but he had thought he was going to UCLA, and you went with him on a lot of visits. That, that's correct. For him, he started getting recruited his sophomore year. So uh, the process started much earlier. Everything's different in recruiting now. Uh, huddle. There's no huddle. We didn't have any huddle tape. There were no camps you went to. There were no 24-7 sports and all the rating, no Twitter, none of that stuff. You know, coach said, hey, some coaches in the office, they think you're pretty good. Go talk to them. That was it. Uh, for him, uh, it was a lot different because he got recruited by everybody, Alabama, Georgia, everybody offered him. So helping him try, he originally committed to UCLA. He loved Jim Mora. He loved California. And unfortunately, in this business, so much changes that uh, his first two choices were UCLA, A&M, both staffs got fired, okay? 
So you, you put all that time and work in getting to know programs, and you look up, guys move around. Uh, Jimbo Fisher recruited him to Florida State, but he didn't want to go to Florida. So when Jimbo got the job at Texas A&M, he came by, and I think my son was one of the first people he came and saw and said, hey, I'm here now. I know you didn't want to come to Florida. And so after doing all the homework, he, he loved A&M and loved Jimbo Fisher, and, and that's how he made the decision. It was a natural connection. Missouri, now, your alma mater was too cold. Well, her alma mater yeah, also. Yeah, it was too cold. We got two Missouri <laughs> he up the weather. here. He thought about the Boomer Sooners, Bills, but, you know, they had so many good receivers already, they didn't need them. Uh, but Missouri was too cold. Boomer Sooners had too many receivers. Missouri was too cold. <laughs> it was. He, he looked up wet. My son is – you would think he's from California. Right. Dude, anything over 50. And uh, so he, he visited Notre Dame. He loved the trip. Then one guy said, hey, you know, in October and November, it can get to like 5 or 10 degrees. And might snow, They lost right? him. It was over. <laughs> it was a wrap. He was loving it, and I thought he may want to go there. It was over. They lost him on the weather. Danny, did it ever get below 50 at Missouri in the winter? <laughs> For months. For months. <laughs> For months. Exactly. Bill hey, Jones, hey. did you not try to recruit him to Oklahoma? You know, I, I think my daughter probably tried to recruit uh, Cam. My daughter, Jessica Griffith, is a freshman algebra teacher at Colleyville Heritage, and I'm pretty sure she had Cam when he was a freshman there because she was giving me – uh, rave reviews about Cam Brown, not the football player, but the uh, the kid. He's a good and, kid. Yes, he is. He's a good and, kid. And uh, I, I know this season, uh, Larry, was a challenge, though, for him because he had an injury during the middle of the yeah. season, right? Yes. He, he hurt his foot. Well, he broke his foot in the spring in the weight room at school. And, you know, we thought he was over it. He kept re-aggravating it. And so he played about half the season and uh, ended up shutting it down because, you know, once you break a foot, you need maybe six to eight weeks so it was pretty much the season, and uh, obviously he didn't like it, but it's what we had to do, and, but he had a great career. So, Bill, it sounds like your daughter was a, a good scout because he's able to leave mid-year mid <laughs> to right. go to A&M. Good it's, teachers, trust me, like her. Finish early. And, that's right. And allow you to turn in assignments late and things like that. So, yeah, <laughs> good teachers. No, so, not easy your teacher. son. Yes, my son. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, she had a little issue with the, with the dad, but other than that, you know, you know those – those uh, parents that are pushy, you right. know, they still make parent <laughs> visits or no. Oh, well, you know what? High school. You, you, you got to stay on top of these kids these days, you know, so make sure the academic part. Well, you are sounding like you're 49. Yes. Oh, these yes. kids these days. These kids these days. How about these cowboys these days? It's outstanding, you know, and uh, I, I said this before, you know, I was very critical that we needed a number one receiver for some while and we didn't. And since Amari Cooper has come in, things have changed. And uh, I'm not going to give him all the credit, but he has been a big part of the success and where we're headed with the Cowboys. I mean, he was just named NFC Offensive Player of the Week again. Yes. And he's only been here six weeks, so that's twice. And that's never happened in the Cowboys franchise history with a wide receiver twice in one season. Well, the, the great thing about Amari that he brings to the table is two things. There was this notion before that you could do it by committee. And I've always been a believer is this. You know, you are what you are. Uh, a, a guy that's a two and a three receiver, that's what they are. That's why they're that. You're not a one. Well, if people want to know what's the difference between a one and a two and a three, Amari Cooper shows you what that is. Yeah. Here's a guy who can take a short pass, take it deep. He can take the top off. He's very tough. And the thing I like about Amari most, and you guys, Bill and Mickey, knows this, most superstar receivers are prima donnas. He's not a prima donna. Pretty laid-back kid. It goes about his business the right way. So I, I'm a big fan of Amari Cooper. 
because how he handles his business. You would enjoy this today when he uh, had his media gathering in the locker room and someone asked about the, the award. And what do you think of it? His answer was, it's cool. <laughs> and he just left it at that. Yeah, it's, it's cool. cool. It's cool. You don't see that anymore. No, yeah. absolutely not. Speaking, Changing to the defense, though. I mean, I think Byron Jones might be one of the most underrated players this season. How, how do you think he's living up to those expectation, expectations going to corner? And, you know, how much did Chris Richard have in that, in that change? Well, two things. I think Chris Richard is an amazing coach, and he's gotten that group to play together, which you don't see anymore are guys lining up wrong, blown coverages. We've seen that in the past. You don't really see that at all anymore. And I call Byron Jones Darren Woodson to me. He's my Woody. You know, he's a guy that can line up at safety. He can line up in the slot. He can go outside. Uh, and for those who don't really know the game, that is not easy to do. There's a lot of guys who play outside that can't play inside. There's a lot of guys that play corner that cannot play safety. So having that versatility and being able to do that, you know, you saw him on Zach Ertz last week. You know, you saw him on Gronkowski when we played the Patriots. So the versatility that he's been, and again, he's not a prima donna like Woody. Doesn't talk a lot about himself. He just goes about his business. And I think he is one of the most underrated players in the team and uh, in the league. That's Cowboys' former cornerback, Larry Brown. I'm Mickey Spagnola. We're going to have a position change here. Bill's going to sub in for me. Danny's <laughs> got to get back to that wireless mic. Bill Jones is going to take the, uh, the pilot seat here on the Dallas Cowboys legend show. That will continue in a moment. Back, back, back to the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. O'Donnell on third and nine. Here come the Cowboys. He throws downfield. Intercepted by Larry Brown to the 50, to the 40, down to the 30. High steps, still on his feet to the 20 with a helicopter move. And he goes out of bounds at the 19-yard line. 43 yards, the pass thrown right to Larry Brown. The pass thrown right to Larry Brown. How about that? It's Super Bowl 30. I don't know if you know this. You know what Emmett Smith named me my rookie year? I dropped 20. No, first of all, let me say this. I had 22 pass breakups. 21 were dropped interceptions. <laughs> you were on so, pace. You were on pace to set a new NFL record with 21 interceptions. No, no so I'm, I'm going to give you a true story. I don't know if people know this. So Emmett started calling me Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> so Michael Irvin came to me one time. And true story, my interception went up. He said, look, dude, no one ever said you had to catch with your hands. Just catch the ball, <laughs> you know. And I said, good idea, because before I was trying to catch, uh, my hands were bad. So it is what it is. <laughs> well, that was his interception in Super Bowl 30 against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the first of two interceptions. How much do you remember of that play? I remember uh, those very vividly. You know, we had practiced all week. Uh, and Mike Zimmer's like, be aggressive. Don't just let them catch them five yards. When we come after them, you know, don't be so far off. How many, how many times you see a guy, you're blitzing everybody, and a guy just runs a five-yard stop or a slant, and they catch the ball and fall forward for a first down. So he's like, take some chances. Be aggressive. And so when we saw them changing the blitz coverage and we are coming after them, we just wanted to be aggressive and go after those plays. So that's what I remember most. You know, Bill, and the, and the big thing on that is – where did you learn to run the ball so well? Not only did he intercept it, he returns it 44 yards uh, to the 18-yard line to set up a touchdown two plays well, later. Well, if you can't catch that well, at least you can do is be able to run. And so, true story, so I'm running on one of my interceptions. Dion want me to pitch it to him. I said, I'm not pitching it to you. I'm not going to put Dion the ball. He wants me to pitch it to him. 
Because I said, if I pitch him the ball, he's going to be the highlight. I'm no longer a part of that highlight That's right. anymore. Yeah, yeah, so that's right. Gonna, it's a business decision. I'm not going to pitch a Dion. Yeah. So mid-run, you're thinking about that. No, yeah. I would even consider it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't know if we tell you my Super Bowl story, right? Yeah. So this is before the game, like night before the game. I'm in a room with Michael Irvin, Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, and Deion Sanders. And Deion Sanders and his usual self, is upset that Disney has not raised the money for their commercials. So he tells everybody in the room. I, I don't know how I end up in this room with these guys anyway, but I'm there. <laughs> he says, look, Troy, Emmett, Mike, if, if you guys win the MVP and if Disney doesn't raise the money, don't do it. So they all agree. He said, Troy, you in? He said, yes. Yeah. Emmett, you in? You're in. Deion, you in? Yeah. Larry, you in? What? What do you, what do you want me for? You know, what, do you, <laughs> what do you want me for? Hey, are you in? So I said, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. You know, whatever. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. So I go win the MVP, and they're all staring at me when Disney talks about the commercial. And I said, are you guys going to raise the money? And they said no. And I'm, they're staring at me, just like Bill staring at me. So I said, I can't do it. It's the dumbest thing I ever did. I gave to the pressure. But since we did uh, made that pack in the, in the room, I didn't do the, the Disney thing because of that. And I still blame Deion Sanders for that. So, so they didn't have anybody show up? Emmett ended up going back doing it, and Dion and Mike were still mad at Emmett today for going back doing it because they didn't raise the money. So how much was the money? I don't know. I never asked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered to me. I don't care. Whatever it was, I would have did it. So Emmett went. So Emmett went. So the two problems, I never should have been in a room with those guys the day before a game, and I never would have been in that situation to even remotely turn down doing the Disney commercial. Wow. Yeah, it, it was almost story. like prophecy, though, that, I mean, those are – now, let's just face it, that those guys are, gonna are, win it. are, yeah, gonna are more likely to win yeah, an MVP no, award in a Super Bowl than a 12th-round draft yeah, there's pick. There's no doubt. We already knew. <laughs> I don't know how I even end up in the room. I don't know why Deion even asked me. All those guys put me in that. I should never have been a part of that conversation. Larry, are you in? Yeah, where was Woody at the time? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It was just us four in that room. I don't know what happened. How, how, did, how did that happen? I still don't know. All right, so being Super Bowl MVP, how did that change your life? It was fun, you know, it was great, and um, for me, I think it, it made people be more aware of who I was, you know, you're just on the team then, you know, you had so many stars, Woody and Emmett and Troy and Novacek and all these guys, you know, people forgot that, I mean, I started for five years mm -hmm. and started the second game of my rookie season, but when you have that many power hitters on the team, you know, it's easy to be lost on that team. So I think that for that, that one game, you got a little more recognition. They said, oh, okay, there is a, a 24 over there on the other side of 21. So it was pretty cool. So how many times have you gone back to the Super Bowl where they've got uh, – I remember one year, was it Super Bowl 50? What year was they, they it? They do it every 10 years. Every 10 years. Every 10 where years. they bring all the MVPs back. It is okay. so cool. Yeah. So, so uh, Emmett – we just did the 50th. And Emmett said, hey, we're all going to have a blast this one because none of us going to be here for the 100. <laughs> <laughs> and – it is so much fun to get all the guys together. So my son went with me to the game. And if you've never watched a Super Bowl with a bunch of MVPs, my son thought they were nuts. Ray Lewis like, get on the ball. It's a fumble. And my, my son's like, Dad, they're, they're like crazy. <laughs> it shows you their passion and their love for the game. They're very competitive. And uh, so my son had a chance to watch these guys watch a game. He thought they were nuts. <laughs> He's like, Dad, they might as well be out there playing the game. You know, but that's how in tune the guy, these guys were to the game. And we didn't uh, mention, I think, in the first segment, but Danny has the wireless mic, and if anybody has a question for Larry, just uh, get her attention and 
you can fire away. And in case you aren't listening closely here, when he said, I started for the Cowboys as a rookie the second game in 1991. Yes. How did that come about? I'm trying to remember. Did somebody get hurt? Nothing no. against you. No, no, nobody got hurt. As a matter of fact, it, it came as a shock to me. Um, most guys, they kind of they work you in. I've seen it over the years with the first-round picks. You know, you bring them in on third down, and you start working them in, getting them some reps. They didn't happen. Sort of like they did with Pup the next Absolutely. year, right? Absolutely. They, 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 they did the same thing with Woody. Yeah. You kind of work them in, give them some reps. Same thing with Russell. Same thing with Alvin. They didn't just throw them to the fire. So I go down from kickoffs, running down on kickoffs and special teams. As the 12th round draft choice, by the way. And Jimmy comes to me on uh, Tuesday, no, Wednesday. He says, you're starting this week. I know you can do it. Don't let me down. Mm. (laughs) That was it. That was the extent of our conversation. It wasn't like, hey, coach, this, this, that. And, you know, uh, and Campbell told me later, you know, once we retired, he said Jimmy wanted me to start him, started me week one. But Campbell was like, no, he's, first of all, I was only 20 years old. Remember, people forget when I got drafted, I was only 20 years old. So even though Woody and Kevin got drafted next year, they're still older than me. So uh, Camp was a little afraid that I was too young. So he talked him out of it week one. Jimmy came to him week two and said, he's starting, Campo, period. That's it. And, uh, sort of like he did with Eric Williams when they started it. him. You're, you're, right you're starting. That's it. I don't want to hear it. Boom. And and Jimmy believed in a 12th round kid, 20 year old from TCU, and you know the rest is history. And and I I appreciate that. And uh, you know it's it, it meant a lot. Whose place did you take? I took Manny Hendricks. Oh, Manny okay. Hendricks. Now, that's now right. the, the ironic part was Ike Holt wasn't playing very well, but Ike wasn't a guy that you could just go sit down and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, based on his personality, yes, and I'm not sure if they knew how to handle Ike. Yeah. Yeah. So they sat Manny, and uh, <laughs> and I never forget this. I went to Manny, and I thank God. I credit Manny Hendrick with this. I went to him again. I'm I'm naive. I went and apologized. I was like, because Manny was like a mentor to me, mm-hmm. and he said, "You have nothing to apologize for." He said, "Go do a great job. You're gonna do good," and that changed things for me. Just to have that leadership and someone who has been a mentor and a friend to me. Because, again, I'm a 20-year-old rookie from TCU, 12th-round draft pick. I don't know anything. And uh, Manny really made the, 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 made it easy for me. And Manny Hendricks came out of nowhere. If uh, I remember correctly, he yeah. was a basketball player. That's right. Utah State? Utah. Utah. Yeah, yeah Utah. Utah State. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. yeah. And made it yes. as a rookie free agent. Yes. yes. That's amazing. And I didn't, the other thing that I didn't realize, I know now, I was the only defensive back they took that year. So there was no other rookies with me in that group. You know, Ray Horton and Vince Albritton. And so it was a veteran group, Ike Holt. So I was the young guy of the group. Ike, what a perfect name for a guy. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing his personality. Yes. Can you yes. imagine okay, uh, Jimmy tells Campo that, uh, that go tell Ike Holt that yeah. he's benched? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? And, and I was a rookie. So when I came in, too, it was weird. Ike, the first person. I was naive. I came out of college, so you're supposed to wear your hip pads and your this. They snatched all that stuff out of me. Like, dude, you're in the NFL. We don't wear – you're a DB. You don't wear knee pads. Yeah. When have you been hitting the, the knee? Yeah. You know, we don't wear butt pads. So uh. I didn't know they didn't wear pads in the National Football League. So most guys just had pants on, particularly on the defensive side because you wasn't getting tackled. So I learned a lot from those veteran guys. And I didn't know guys drink before games. 
you know, or smoke cigarettes before a game. <laughs> 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 so <laughs> times have changed. <laughs> hey, I learned a lot that rookie year from that, that veteran group. Uh, we may find out a lot tonight. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah, you know, guys smoke cigarettes before games. <laughs> you know, well, you, you know what? In? Randy White has told me on many occasions that when he first walked into the locker room, uh, it was on Forrest and Abrams. It was the old place. And I said, what was your impression when you first walked into that locker room? Because it was old. Yes. It was decrepit. He goes, I walked in, and we had these wooden stalls. He goes, and on the edge of each wooden stall was a cigarette <laughs> ashtray. <laughs> and he goes, I walked in, and there's three guys sitting in their locker before practice smoking yes. a cigarette. Yes, yeah. And I want to say that there's old NFL film footage oh, of, yeah. of Dandy Don Meredith smoking during a game, like on the sideline. I mean, Unbelievable. Bill, I, w I was so young and didn't know anything. I didn't even know I made the team. So <laughs> it was cut down today. I asked the guy, looked around, said, hey, did I make it? He said, hey, did Bruce Mays come after your playbook? <laughs> I said, no. He said, well, then you made it. I'm like, okay, <laughs> great. You know, so and two I didn't weeks know later, you're starting. I didn't know anything, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. I got <laughs> I got so many Ike, Ike Holt stories, but you remember his block on the punt return yes. to sew up the yes. division or the wild card berth. Yes. Uh, Philadelphia, right? Yes, Philly. Were you out in special teams? I was on special teams. Yeah. When when Calvin Martin returned it? I sure did. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Did yeah. you block somebody? I didn't block anybody. Uh, I got in somebody's way. Okay. Because I wasn't I wasn't at an angle. I didn't want to get that block in the back, but I got in somebody's way. Well, but I just laid the guy. Their, their last guy zeroed in on Kelvin Martin, and Ike comes out of nowhere and just blindsides. You, you can't do that anymore. Can't do it anymore. You can't do it anymore. Right? You can't do it anymore. Yeah. It was it was ferocious. He would have been fined. Yes. yes. <laughs> he would have been out his. Well, they don't find anybody twenty six thousand yeah. back then, yeah. but it no. would have been eight or nine probably. Yeah, absolutely. That was. You remember how cold it was that day? I do, because I was there. So Ooh. how cold was it? I'm guessing it was about. 15, 20 degrees. 22? It was actually, it was 38 degrees. I thought it was colder sure than that. Sure didn't feel like it. But yeah. it was a 22-mile-an-hour wind, so the wind chill made it 27. Yeah. And really, on offense, nobody could do anything. No. It was like no. a 10-8 game going into the fourth quarter, and the Cowboys wound up winning 25-13, to 13, and it was that Kelvin Martin punt return, uh, that 85-yard uh, punt return gave the Cowboys the lead at 15 to 10. I could still see them going right up the middle of the field. And those are some good teams. Those Philly teams, they had some good teams. Oh, sure. Particularly yeah. on defense. Yeah. And it was, it was pretty amazing. Those were right. games. Because it was the following year in 92, the Monday night game, uh, where the Eagle, Cowboys came into that one unbeaten. Yep. And the Eagles won that one 31-7. Yep. But right. you got payback not only in the regular season, but in the postseason That's in 92 right. on That's your right. way to the Was that the year Bowl. they had to play them back-to-back -back games? No, they wasn't back-to-back -back oh, games. Was, that they was later? Yeah, that was later. Because there was one year you beat them the end of the season, yeah, that was and then later. you had to play, play them the first game of the playoffs. All right, let me tell you this, because you yes. didn't do this in the first segment. No, did I did you? not. <laughs> SWBC Mortgage brings you the legend show. For more than 40 years, SWBC has been helping people, companies, and financial institutions prepare to win in Texas and across the country. Visit SWBC.com to learn more. More of the Cowboys Legend Show with Larry Brown in just a moment. Back, back, back to the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. Here's a pass in the flat. Picked oh. up by the Cowboys. Larry Brown may score at the 30, 20, 10, out of bounds at the six-yard line. 
It is a run back of 32 yards, and Larry Brown, who set up the only other score for the Cowboys here in the second half, appears to be in a position to set him up again. How about that, Larry Brown? Super Bowl 30, that was his second interception of the game. Bill Jones with Mickey Spagnola, and Larry Brown, why didn't you score on that? You know what? Um, <laughs> somebody caught me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you somebody think you were going to score? You know, you know what? True story. I didn't know this. You know, you learn a lot later. I, we were so tired after the game. I didn't realize that defense played a lot of plays that game. So our offense, you know, they didn't move the ball as much as they would like. Especially so, the second half, yes, right? So it was a lot of snaps that we played. And um, so, but look, if, if I can get it to the five, we can't get it in from the six with Emmett and Troy and Mike, hey, we need to do something different. <laughs> yeah, it worked out better that way. It worked you out can better milk that way. Some clock and, yeah. and so stuff. think about that. They scored 27 points uh, in the game. It, it ended up 27-17. Yeah. And two of the touchdowns you set up inside the five-yard line. Right. So Very not fortunate. only did he intercept the passes, but uh, he returned them. On that one, it was second and 10 at the Pittsburgh 32, and they had already – had scored, kicked an onside kick, kick got scored it. again, uh, and then a couple possessions later, they get the ball back again, and you're only up 2017. That, that onside kick that they got really changed the momentum for them. And uh, we wasn't prepared for it, then they went and scored. So, yeah, it, things were, the tide was changing. You know how many plays the Steelers ran that day? I'd say 71. They ran 80 plays that day, okay. and the Cowboys ran 48. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. yeah. Told you, yeah. 80, that, was, that was the difference in, yeah. the, in the play. And the probably onside kick played yeah. a factor in that. They got an extra possession That's right there. That's why I didn't score. That's my excuse. That's why I didn't score. 80 plays. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> I'm dead. Well, I'm the dead. Cowboys had, what, 93 <laughs> plays on offense the other day? Yeah. How, how uh, tired do you think the Eagles were with oh having gosh. to play 93 defensive plays? Oh, it's incredible. Hey, it's crazy. And, and, but you know what? It's great for our defense. We got a lot of That's rest. Right. We That's got a right. lot of rest. All right, uh, Danny Sarek has the wireless microphone. We've got a question from the crowd here at the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. I do, Larry. The first question for you is from our friend Drisco from Frisco. Drisco from Frisco. I like that. Hey, Kenny. Uh, I'm going to mention uh, when Dion came in, the Cowboys. Everybody kind of knew he's coming, but they thought he's going to replace you, right? Mm -hmm. But it was Kenny Smith that he replaced because he pulled, what, Torpus Achilles tendon or something? Yeah, Kevin, Kevin, got Kevin hurt. Smith, yep. yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, on that game Sunday, there was a lot of complaints, at least from the fans, maybe some of the announcers, about the penalties and how many there were. Some of them were fair, some weren't, weren't good or bad. The way they cover, the cornerbacks, safeties cover – the receivers is a whole lot different when you were there. What What's your feeling about the way they're doing? I mean, it looks like both are grabbing each other all the way down the field. Yeah, I think it's a great question. I, I think it, it's unfair. Uh, defensively, it's hard to defend. You, you can't play a contact sport with no contact. And as a defensive back now, you almost can't touch a receiver at all. But at the same time, they're able to put their hands on you and push and shove. So you're defenseless a lot of times, and it would be very tough in today's time to try to cover guys without any contact whatsoever. And uh, But they do allow offensive contact to the defensive back. They don't allow defensive contact, and I think that's very tough for guys to cover. And I think it's very unfortunate. I hope that the league doesn't continue to make rules against the defense. Hopefully you can balance it out a little bit 
where it's fair. Unless you're Dallas Goddard, then you can't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they don't allow offensive contact yeah. on the I mean, uh, on I'm talking about on a consistent basis, uh, I, you know. Exactly. It's, it's all against the defense, and I think I, I never wanted to see this. Officials are deciding games now. Yes. And it, it is what it is, and when we played, you, you, you didn't really see that. I mean, officials are determining outcomes of games. It is what it is, and I think that's unfortunate. They're also determining careers and jobs. That's correct. I mean, how would you like to be a defensive guy laying on the ground, the quarterback standing right next to you, and you grab his foot, foot. and yank him down, yeah. and you get a roughing penalty? I, I think it's, but, but, see, I blame that on the NFL. They're setting those types of rules, and I think that's, again, it's, it's absurd, and, and what are you supposed to do? You know, you let them just keep going. So I, th I think it's unfair on the defense, and, and, I, and I, as a defensive player, I just wish the rules were a little more fair and equitable. So at the end of that Super Bowl, you guys survived. We survived. Maybe more than victoriously celebrated. Yeah. Do you remember the scene in the locker room afterwards? It was, yeah. You know, I think guys were relieved. They were happy. Um, you know, whenever you win it, you know, and for me, I, I fortunately, I started doing broadcasting. When I, when I retired, in one of my jobs, I had to cover the Patriots, played Carolina and, and uh, Houston, and my job was the losing team locker room. Oh, really? And it was the first time it hit me <laughs> that I never – I went over there, guys were crying, coaches were throwing stuff, nobody wanted to talk, and it, it was a wake-up call. Like, wow, I never had to experience that. You didn't even think about that side because you won. You know, and guys are happy and smiling and, you know – and. I remember Barry Switzer was, you know, he's going, you, you know. So him and Jerry, you know, I think for them. We did it. We, we, did, we, it. we, did, we did it. We did it. We did it. And um, so you remember that. But that's when, when, I, when I had to cover the losing team was really when it hit home. Like, wow, we went three times and never had to experience that. And, like, thank God. Because you don't even think that there's a loser and what that locker room looks like. And our locker room never – Never felt that way. Right. And, I, and I don't. I don't know if you were there, Bill, uh, for that '95. Sure. Oh, sure. You yeah. were there. Yeah. The the pressure that was on this team after winning back to back yes. in '92, '93. Uh, Jimmy leaves. Uh, Barry Switzer comes in. They lose the NFC title game at well, San Francisco. Well, even even before. Well, yeah. Okay. Right. Right. And, and and then you come back in '95. And it's like, oh, can they do this without? And the pressure was. And then in December, immense. there's the fourth and one in Philadelphia. Philadelphia yeah. Dumb and dumber. Yeah. And you lose to San Francisco, San Francisco in the regular season game. And you're going to be, you're not going to have home field advantage. And you're flying to Phoenix uh, on Christmas Eve, correct? Right. And San Fran uh, Green Bay beats San Francisco. Yeah, uh, Green, Green Bay beat them. San Francisco, Before, yeah. right? Uh -huh. And you guys ended up with the first seed. Yeah. Now the pressure's really on. Oh, you got to win. You got to win. Yeah. And, and I, I thought we knew. I think the thing that helped that team was guys were so disappointed about what happened the previous year, losing to San Francisco, not playing your best game. So it was almost like a letdown. There's one thing to play your best game and lose. It's another thing to lay an egg. Every facet of the team did not play well against that for it. So we felt we lost an opportunity. So that pressure was probably greater coming back the next year and saying, hey, let's, let's go play and, and play like we can. If we do that, we can play with anybody. So, like, every season is going to have some ups and downs. It is what it is. Even when we were winning Super Bowls with Jimmy, people think that we blew everybody out. We played a, yeah, lot, a lot of close, of close games. games yeah. A lot of close games. So we understood that the season would go that way. 
Uh, but we knew once we got to the playoffs that we were not going to play the way we did against that 49er team. Take me back to uh, March after that second Super Bowl win when Jimmy and Jerry split up and then Barry Switzer was hired as the coach. What were the players uh, thinking at that point? Well, I think some of us saw it coming. You know, um, we just knew tension was growing. You know, Jerry's a businessman. Jimmy's a coach. And, you know, bringing guys in the locker room before the game, whether it's the Prince of Saudi Arabia. I mean, it drove Jimmy crazy. I think the Emmett holdout, uh, that really hurt Jimmy. So you start seeing a different direction. And, you know, so when we were not surprised that Jimmy, we thought they would work it out. But when when Jimmy said, that's it, that's enough, a lot of guys wasn't surprised because we saw things coming. Because Jimmy, you know, he, he expressed how he felt a lot of times. Like, hey, look. You know, I know Jerry's bringing guys here. Look, you guys need to focus on football. I mean, so there was just a difference in, in how you're going to run that organization. Uh, when they hired Barry, we how all – How surprised were you? Because well, he hadn't coached in five years. But we all – everybody, like myself, knew Barry Switzer as a legend coach in college. He wasn't just some small guy who didn't have a resume. A resume. He was a guy that accomplished a lot in college. And uh, so we knew he was a good coach, at least coming from college. We didn't know what type of NFL coach. But when he came in, he laid it on the line. He said, look, you know, it's not all about me. We got a good staff of coaches. I'm not going to sit up here and act like I'm responsible for everything. Bottom line. So my job is to come in and manage this team. We got a good staff of guys. And so he was, I think he laid it on the line. He didn't come in and act like it's his show and he's running everything and he's the boss. That, that wasn't his approach. And I think some guys respected that. Some guys didn't. But most of the guys respected him being honest. You know, when I had the first inkling that things might not work out, and it was way before those meetings in uh, Florida, Jimmy disappeared after the Super Bowl in 93 for like two weeks. I didn't see him at the ranch. He left right after the Super right Bowl. Right after the Super Bowl, right? Went to Florida. Yeah. He had uh, been doing uh, the coaches show on KRLD. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, part of the contract was they they couldn't pay him. That money would go to the Cowboys. So they gave him a boat, right? (laughs) And and, and he went, and he went to Miami and went fishing fishing. for two weeks. He came back, and I saw him kind of in the breezeway headed out to the the, uh, weight room. And I was like, hey, where you been? And he goes, yeah, you know, I got away. I did this, this, and this. And so we started talking. He goes, you know, that's the first time. I've been away for football more than a couple days since yeah. I took the head coaching job at Oklahoma State, wow. which yeah. was 1978, if I remember, yeah. or 79. And I'm going, oh, he's going to find out there's something more th- to life <laughs> than football. Yeah, that was 15 was years of a grind there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know, and he and he and you know he grinded, right? Mm-hmm. Grinded is that a word? Uh, and and so when he got back, I was going. And he had pushed you guys. Oh, there's no 93. question. There's no like question. as hard as anybody could push no you, right? No question. And I didn't know if he could come back and push the buttons again even harder to win a third one in a row. He did. He, when he came back, he said, look, the, we, I know we can win another one. The question is, do you guys want to? Are you willing to do everything that it takes? The same work. The, I mean, more work, more effort. And guys actually got fired up. I think at that stage, we knew Jimmy. Jimmy knew the guys. Everybody kind of understood what he expected. So it wasn't as complicated anymore. 
it wasn't Jimmy was real easy to figure out. You know, you work your tail off, do things the right way, be a professional, and, and be competitive, and 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 don't and, and be fear fear for life of your job. I'm gonna bring somebody behind you that can take your spot, and let's compete and let's go. So everybody kind of understood what it was, of what he wanted, what his expectations were. You know, so from a player standpoint, we felt that we could win four or five. There's no doubt about it. And there's no question had he kept that team together. And Emmett re reminded me of this. I didn't know that. I think our first team, we were the youngest team in NFL Super Bowl history to win a Super Bowl. Oh, Aaron, you were. The, the, the yeah. storyline was, oh, these guys are too young. They're yeah. a year away. Yeah, yeah. They right. can't yeah. do so, this. You know, we slowly start seeing the team just guys go. And I think some of it wasn't Jimmy. I think some of it was Jerry. And I think that was some of the divide. And the one thing that I appreciated about Jimmy was you can believe what he tell you, for better or for worse. It may not always be what you hear. Sometimes with Mr. Jones, it wasn't always that way. And I would say this, Jimmy, for the most part, if you the, – the guys that made that team, 99% deserved to be on the team. There were very few guys who didn't deserve it, so to speak. So you you earned it. And I think that started to transition to more business stuff. You had guys on the team for business reasons, <laughs> not because they've earned it and, you know, and enjoyed it. So that when we start seeing that change, I, I don't think Jimmy wanted any part of that. You mm -hmm. know, he's not going to lie to players. He's not going to tell you you're going to be here when you're really not. He just wasn't that type of guy. He wasn't and, made up that way. And if you didn't earn your spot on the team and you fell asleep in a team meeting, you weren't on the team but, very but much longer. Here, here's the thing about the team meeting, Bill. <laughs> I don't know if people know the true story about that. Uh, He's talking about John Roper out uh -huh. of AM, and John's a good friend of mine. John had fell asleep four or five times. So Jimmy goes to him. He said, John, why are you sleeping? He said, well, I just had a new baby mm. and this and that. He said, John, how much money do you make? He said, about a half million dollars. He says, does your wife work? He says, no. He says, hire a babysitter. <laughs> why are you, your wife doesn't work. You're making this kind of money. Why don't you hire a baby? Why are you watching the baby? Uh -huh. Why are you staying up all night? So he's like, look, we need you. We, we, we're trying to win here. We need everybody focused in these meetings, blah, blah, blah. So it wasn't like it was one time. That's right. the misconstrued part. Right. He did. It was a couple of times. And he said, look, the next time you fall asleep in my meeting, I'm going to let you go. So he did give him a chance. So a lot of times people think Jimmy was just cutthroat. He, he would give you that chance. Yeah. You got your friendly warning. And if you didn't do things then, it, 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 that was it. That's yeah. like when Cur Curvin Richards, that wasn't the first time he fumbled. That wasn't the first time. Yeah. And he wasn't going <laughs> to be back the next year anyway. But, but he did tell Curvin, he said, look, we have to be able to give Emmett a rest. He said, I, I'm not going to lose a playoff game because you can't hold the ball. So he said, look, stay after practice. So Jimmy did, again, gave him that opportunity. And Curvin was such a great guy. You know, right. I love Curvin and, you know. and Swerving Curvin. Swerving Curvin when he fumbled and. We knew that was it, you know, because now, now Jimmy has to he has to be a man of his word, too. That's He's not right. going to say something and not come through. That's right. So, yeah. All right, we continue with Larry Brown on the Cowboys Legends Show, brought to you by Fans United, where you can find game day gear for every Cowboys fan. Visit shopfansunited.com to find a location near you. More with Larry Brown in a moment. Back, back, back to the SWBC Mortgage Dallas Cowboys Legends Show. Broadcasting live from the Cowboys Club at the Star in Frisco. From TCU, number 24, Larry Brown. 
That's from the NFC Championship game, 1995. Michael Buffer doing the honors. Michael Larry Buffer, Brown, baby. our legends guest here. Final few minutes with Larry Brown. Danny Sarek with the wireless microphone. Danny? The question now comes from John John from Gilmer, Texas. Gilmer, Texas. Gilmer Buckeyes. Buckeyes, yes, sir. Uh, first of all, I want to say uh, thank you for saying the, uh, that about the officiating. We all think mm. it. Glad you said it. Um, next, I want to know about your experience on Married with Children. Wow, Married with Children. <laughs> um, I had a great time on Married with Children. I, had a, uh, I grew up a fan of the show. Who don't love Al Bundy and that whole crew? And I had a chance to do it with uh, Roy Jones Jr. and Bo Jackson. Now, the funny part about the show is kind of weird is – one segment that I do, I talk about uh, the young lady. I say, oh, you like Bruce Jenner. You're right. So I had, when Bruce Jenner transitioned, I had everybody calling me, texting me, talking about <laughs> you called it that many years ago. So it was a weird ex uh, episode, but we had, we had a blast. We had so much fun. And uh, Ed O'Neill, I didn't know this, who's uh, Al Bundy, used to play for the Steelers. So he played in the NFL. I don't know if it was a short time. So he was just so warm, and it was great, and we had a good experience. And it was, I had the time of my life. It was so much fun. So that introduction for the NFC championship game in 95, when I was trying to remind myself, this guy here actually made the interception to get the Cowboys out of trouble against the Green Bay yeah, Packers. Yeah. He ended up beating them like 38-27. Yeah. Uh, but it was a tight, was game, a tight game, if I remember correctly. It was 31-27, uh, and you picked off Brett Favre. That's right. Got, got Brett Favre on the sideline, and – uh, I knew he'd take a chance, kind of gave him a little space enough just to get him to throw it in there, got, got that pick. And I think my return was only about 15, 20 yards, but it was a – we had 28. A, 28 Don't yards, yourself. 28 yards. So And set up the touchdown set up the to, to kind of blow the game open. You, you know, it was like this. Jimmy used to say this all the time. The guys I'm going to put on the field can make plays. I never worry about it because somebody's going to make a play, and when you get your opportunity, do it. So that's all you ever want to do is contribute, help where you could, and when your opportunities came to make those plays, and that's all guys tried to do at that time. Do you ever, like, go to sleep at night and hear him yelling who's going to make the play like he would in practice every we, day? We just knew somebody. You know, we just knew somebody. We had guys, whether it's going to be Woody, whether it's going to be Kevin, whether it's going to be Dion, whether it's going to be Leon, uh, Russell Merrill and Tony Tober, Charles. You just knew somebody was going to make those plays. Five postseason interceptions in his career as yeah. a matter of fact three that that season yeah. in, in 1995 all right so last couple of minutes here what do you think uh, the chances are that this Cowboys team can make a playoff run I think if uh, offense is going to have to be a little more efficient I don't think you know 10 13 20 points a week is going to get it but if we can improve and get better on offense and continue to get better uh, I think they got a legitimate chance to make a run as anybody out there have you seen this team grow before your very eyes? Absolutely. You know, I, I think th the other thing I think, we got to get everybody healthy. You know, you got a lot of – Tyron Smith's been banged up and uh, you know, Traffic Fred, they all, a lot of guys been banged up. So if we can get everybody healthy, get Taco Charlton, uh, Bruce, excuse me, excuse me, David Irvin, all those guys back, we got a shot. And the good news is at least Sean Lee and Tavon Austin were on the field yes. on a limited basis uh, today, actually with pads on and practicing – uh, so that's a step in the right direction. Not sure about what's going to happen with Zach Martin. That yeah. offensive line is yeah, kind of beat up. He may need a week or so, but we'll see. I'm sure he wants a but play. He's going home. hometown, Indianapolis. Right? That's right. And here, here's Go. where Tavon comes. He's a great returner. 
So you add a guy like yeah. that in the punt return game, he can bring that element to the team. All right, Larry Brown, it's been great having I you here Larry, on the Cowboys thank you. Legend thank you Show. Guys. Mickey, what are we doing next week? Uh, I may have a big surprise for okay. you. I may know by tonight what it's going to be. All right, a big surprise next week on the Cowboys Legend Show. Thanks for joining us this week, and we will see you again next week where we'll celebrate a sixth straight win.